You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have Josh Rand from Stone Sour and The Life Project. Josh is a fantastic guest. I heard him on Rob Flynn's podcast. Um, I've heard him on a few others. Just a cool dude with a lot to talk about. We talked about some pretty deep stuff that I did not know uh, was going on with him earlier on in his life. Um, and it was just a super interesting chat. He's a great musician, uh, some huge bands, and uh, I was stoked to talk to him. So when they reached out about having him on, I said, sure. So uh, it's been a little while since I did this episode. His new album for The Life Project is out now. Um, we just had a bunch of stuff with time-sensitive things to put out first, but I am stoked to put this out and really glad to have Josh in the roster of guests on the show. Let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump right in. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website if you want to get in touch with me, uh, if you want you know, guest ideas, anything like that, questions, comments, anything like that would be awesome to hit me up on that website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email to do so. Um, we also have a Twitch we're setting up. We're going to start doing live episodes on there, I believe, this week. Um, I'm going to post up on socials about that, so be following us there over at twitch.tv uh, slash, excuse me, twitch.tv slash peer pleasure podcast we also have the peer pleasure podcast facebook group the peer pleasure podcast inner circle head to facebook sign up for that we'll let you in and you can see who's coming up you can ask questions you'll see who's coming up on the twitch 
You'll be in the know on everything. And then also one step further, the Peer Pleasure premium service, peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. That will get you in for the videos of the podcast. You'll also get the past cast that I do with other podcasters, as well as the ad-free feed. So definitely sign up for that. Um, and guys, I'm going to jump into this one. It's a holiday. Uh, I know everyone's out doing things with their family, but glad you're giving this a listen. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Josh Rand from Stone Sour. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me? I can. Awesome. Hang on a second here. What's going on? Dude. <coughs> Excuse me. It's uh is yeah, not much going on. It's been a uh living hell here this week in Portland with the weather. The uh Oh shit. Yeah, you guys are like have like record high heat, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, record for since time was recorded or whatever, since temps were recorded. It's insane. It was 116 wow. here the other day. Holy crap. Like Yuma, Arizona weather. Insane. Wow. Insane. That's insane. People, that is insane. People's power is going out. You know, people that had air conditioning, power goes out. Like I can't, I can't imagine. We were lucky enough not to have that happen, but dude, it's wild. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you guys aren't, you know set up to handle that it's kind of like texas earlier this year when they got the snow and stuff and it just totally messed everything <laughs> up exactly yeah we're not set up to handle that at all there's like two days wow. out of a summer normally it gets to 100 but that's it wow like maybe two and that's the heat wave like the yearly heat wave this was far beyond how are you doing where are you at i'm in iowa okay so right now we're in a drought like everybody's going through something. <laughs> so 
we're like in like a, a notice went out to conserve on water mm-hmm. um to make it so we don't get to a point where like we're and you know up the creek in august pretty much so yeah. they're like but uh weather and temperature wise it's been all right i mean right now we're sitting at like mid 80s so okay. that's pretty much where we are usually low 90s at this time of year so yeah we just need rain my yard looks it's scorched <laughs> <laughs> It's not green. It looks like a bunch of straw out there. It looks like a bunch of hay. Yeah. But because obviously I'm not watering my lawn because we're told not to sure. conserve on water. So, I mean, yeah. But you, you don't want to be that well, guy. Yeah, I definitely don't want to be that guy. Man. Well, dude, this is awesome. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And for doing it later in the evening. I know it's way later for you than me, but uh, uh I'm stoked to do it, man. When Charlie reached yeah. out to me, I was like, "Hey, sweet, all right, let's do this." Because I, w- it like came out of nowhere, and I was like, "Okay, right on." Like it's we're we're two hundred and f- almost two hundred and thirty episodes in, and I'm always surprised at at who comes out of the woodwork. It's it's been incredible. So, oh, that's uh, awesome. Well, congrats yeah. on that. Thanks. That's, that's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I did the math and it was it was crazy to look at like Spotify gives you like with podcasting. I guess it does with music too. It gives you like hours listened to or whatever. And you do the the math on that, it's staggering if someone's listened to all the episodes, how much time of their life they've spent uh digging into it. So but uh That's awesome though. Have you been in Iowa forever? Like have yeah, you whole I was life? born here. Yeah. Man, where in I'm Iowa just, were you born? Well, in Des Moines. Okay. And you're I live in, out west. I'm in West Des Moines, but I mean, it's a suburb. I mean, out west. <laughs> yeah. And here it's like, you know, I'm five minutes from the complete opposite side of town. So it's not like, <laughs> it's not like I'm too far. I'm like, I moved 50. Actually, technically, I did. I moved 50 blocks. 50 blocks. Where, yeah. I'm literally almost a straight shot. 50 blocks further west that's it <laughs> good lord i hear that every once in a while i think uh are you familiar with the dillinger escape plan what's that Sorry. Are, you, are you familiar with that band the the dillinger oh, yeah. escape plan? so ben i think lives across the street from his childhood home like that's... didn't move anywhere <laughs> like literally across the street from the house he grew up in if i remember well, I think... correctly it's crazy yeah i think if you don't make that jump by the time you're like 25, if you don't move away from home, yeah, then it seems like everybody ends up just being pretty much put in place. Yeah, I mean, for myself, I had kids when I was younger. Mm-hmm. That I mean, my I had my oldest daughter before Stone Sour even started up. So, oh wow. Um, and just because I mean, I come from a huge family, so you know, it's not, it's nice to have that network. Mm-hmm. You know. This year, literally a couple of weeks ago, the oldest daughter graduated college. My youngest just graduated high school and is going to the University of Iowa. So I have uh, this huge house now that I moved into and I'm the only person in the dog because my wife is going back to school. Unfortunately, she can't take she wants to be a uh there, I can't remember, honestly, I get all the medical stuff confused, but yeah. unfortunately she can't take any of those classes here. She's actually in California right now. Oh my God. So 
I'm going to have like this, this place to myself for a couple of years. It looks like, so <laughs> it's pretty a funny. risky business playing the air guitar in your underwear, sliding across the floor. Well, I always get, I've been giving my kids crap since I got this. Cause I kept the house that I originally bought when they were born or whatever. Mm-hmm. And before stone sour, I never moved. Um, we stayed put. So I, I tell them now, I said, isn't it kind of funny that the house I'm in now is like three or four times the size of the, the one they grew up <laughs> in and they're not even here. <laughs> the midlife upgrade. Yeah. It was, it's like, how many music rooms now can I have? Yeah. <laughs> That's the reverse of the normal downsizing. When, when people get older, kids move out and then they swap with some other couple that's just having kids for the smaller house in the nicer neighborhood or whatever. And like the complete opposite, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, I put a studio in my place, mm-hmm. so downstairs and my guitar room is ridiculous. So I need a room just for that. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, I shouldn't say that it's, you know, uh, you know, part of it was just to have that availability to be able to record at home. Mm-hmm. Like I set out, I'm like, Hey man, I want to, my goal was after we ended the hydrograd cycle is I'm going to get a new place finally. And I want to build a studio where I can do all my guitar stuff at home at, at a level, you know, quality. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what I did. I don't have a drum room. I mean, I could, I need a hell of a lot more preamps, uh-huh. but, um, in here, but yeah, it's yeah. been uh pretty cool. So that, so I'm assuming in Iowa, and I'm just assuming this, but in Iowa, you can probably get a lot more for your money than like California or anywhere else. Like oh, as far as absolutely, it's like Utah kind of where you can go to Utah and get like a, a mansion for what you can get in Portland here. My neighbor's house, which is, um, I have some cousins that got a, like bought an old school in Utah, like a literal school, 20,000 square feet for 300 grand to build into their house for their 10 kids. And, uh, my neighbor's house is like a, a a ranch style home that was like 2000, 200,000 more than that. It's insane. Like it's, it's crazy. So like for your money, I'm sure you can get a really good place in Iowa and then just deck it out how you want. Cause you got, you know, all that extra cash. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I thought about moving to the coast and, uh, for about five minutes and then I saw what prices were and I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and you know, I grew up here. Eventually I want to move. Um, at some point I will, I don't know where yet, but for now it's like, I'm comfortable here and Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's a safety net and, like my biggest thing is, is I, I would love to have the weather of the coast, you know, mm-hmm. cause obviously we go through all four seasons here and it's pretty ridiculous hot in August and yeah. sucks in, in January. <laughs> but, um, like this last year, I think we ended up, it was crazy. I, I think we had like three and a half feet of snow in like two and a half weeks. Good it Lord. was unbelievable. Um, but with that being said, it, like I said, it's just the comfort. And like you said, it's the cost of living. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, I can go from one side of town to the other, literally in 20 minutes in rush hour traffic. So mm-hmm. the idea I've spent enough time in <laughs> California, LA, uh, you know, that's always what I think it's like, 
I just think the traffic and all that. And it's like, I don't want to live in a car if I want to go to, you know, two hours a day, three, four hours a day, how people do it is crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it, especially in your, in your business, because I was, I was a true musician for like 12 years. We come from Alaska. Um, we play, I was, I was just, when you're saying the snow in Iowa, I, there's this club in Des Moines we used to play that has like a load in like back stairs that are like falling apart uh, in Iowa city, I believe. Uh, it's like this upstairs venue. There's a bar downstairs. I cannot remember the name. We played it probably five Is or six Gabe's? times. Yeah. Gabe's Oasis. Is yes. that it? Okay. I know what yes. you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Loading in those stairs in the wintertime in, in Iowa city was nuts. And even from Alaska, like this is like treacherous, uh, yeah. conditions. Uh, but going like f- friends that have got like, that are in the music business still that have the money, like go to buy a house and the lender's like, Hey, I know who you are. I have your records, but I can't lend you any money because it's so fleeting. Like it could end at any time. So then mm-hmm. when you're trying to buy some huge place in Portland, they're a little sketched out about it unless you pay cash. So like having that, having that freedom and, and all that must be great over there. So, I mean, and, and like you said, the comfort, that's wonderful. Um, yeah. So you, you come from a big family then how many, how many brothers and sisters, massive family? I have eight. Including you or eight on top of you? No, on top. There's oh nine my of God. us. Yeah. I am actually the oldest and my youngest sister is 20 years younger than me. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. My dad come, came from 13. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's insane. I have, <laughs> I don't even know how many, like 62 first cousins on my dad's side alone or something. Wow. What's it's, it like growing up with that many siblings? Um, Especially being the oldest. Well, it wasn't really that bad for me because I could, you know, everybody kind of fell in line or I'd beat them up, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so being the oldest does have its perks. Um, so, uh, but I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know anything else. So, yeah. And all of us are really tight and close to, you know, we have, even to this day, we have a, a family chat with all of us together. And I mean, it constantly goes off. I wake up some mornings and it's, you got 167 text messages unread, you know, it's crazy. So yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty close. Yeah. That's fantastic. I, I, I'm the oldest of two. So (laughs) it's completely the the different scenario, but what, so you were kind of the first to get into everything then, right? I mean, music, uh, anything sports whatever like what were you, what was your thing when you were were you always a music kid i was always into music um there's stories of me being able to sing kiss songs like at the age of three my first day of kindergarten i'm wearing a bob seer silver bullet band shirt i was you know i i it's funny my parents give me crap because I destroyed their record collection and their nice stereo when I was a kid. I mean, I'm like five years old putting on records. So I can only imagine, you know, going yeah. across with a needle and <laughs> I literally destroyed their whole record collection. But now I always give them crap. And I was like, that was the cheapest college you ever paid for though. Wasn't it? Yeah. All those records in that stereo. But, um, yeah, I was always into music. My mom took me to see uh, kiss when I was five years old. It was my first concert. Holy shit. Yeah. It's funny because John Cougar was the opening act 
before Mellencamp. Nobody knew who he was. And this was 1979. Uh-huh. Um, and the other cool part of that story is, is Pope John Paul II actually was in Des Moines. My mom took me to kiss. My dad went to see Pope John Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's rad. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. On the same night, that's five years same old night. seeing Kiss. Yeah. First show. I just saw Kiss like, was it three years ago or something on like the 90th Say Goodbye Tour? And that was my first time seeing Kiss. I could only imagine seeing that at five years old. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, they're a huge influence on me. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, it's hard to remember back to when I was five years old. And of course sure. I've seen them a bunch since then, but, um, yeah, it was, it was surreal. You know, those guys, especially back then and being that old, mm-hmm. uh, larger than life. And I actually got to meet all of them. Um, I barely remember it. I do remember, um, Ace Freely was always my favorite and, or was at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he came out and he signed an autograph to me on a napkin and he had a bandana. I kind of, he's the only one I really remember meeting because he talked to me for a second. Cause he knew he, he knew he was my favorite. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that was like my memory. And unfortunately I had that napkin. My mom did for the longest time. And then eventually it just disappeared in a move or something, but yeah, it was, it, it was crazy. And just to think about, uh, when I think back to that uh, time, it's like, who the hell takes their five-year-old to a, I mean, mm-hmm. to a concert like that, you know, us today, it's like not that big of a deal, but you know, back then it was like, Oh, kiss is evil. And you know, what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's like nights and Satan service. And now you're like, you know, fast forward to our present day. And it's like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, it's yeah. like, it's all the, uh, unlegible font bands that <laughs> that's yeah. what I call unlegible font bands that actually everybody should be afraid of <laughs> the black metal. <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, which is funny cause they, you know, I mean, kiss influenced them. They were the first ones to be wearing really, you know, what, not necessarily corpse paint, but yeah. they still were the first to paint their face up like that, which yeah. kind of carried over into black metal. Sure. So, yeah. Have you seen that documentary until the light takes us? Yeah. It was oh, crazy. So I mean, good. I knew some of those, I knew some of this, this stuff. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, can't remember, uh, the whole killing a bandmate oh, and band, the, they, yeah. band members killing them another. It's just like, Holy crap. And, then, course, and, the, and all that. Yeah. And then of course burning all the churches mm-hmm. back then. And it's just like, yeah. You wouldn't see kiss craziness. <laughs> no, kiss doesn't even cuss. All right. Let's exactly. So the idea of them doing, that's what I'm saying. You fast yeah. forward to present day. And I mean, even then that stuff was a long time ago Yeah, with the black metal bands. Um, so yeah, I cannot picture Gene Simmons <laughs> doing any of that. Be pretty, pretty crazy. <laughs> Or Paul Stanley, can I come over there and burn that church for you? Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> It's so great. It's so great. Oh, yeah. uh, have you met Ace Freely like in your adult life then and t- tell yeah. him this story? 
I did. Um, I met him a couple of years back. I actually have one of his signature custom shop guitars. Oh, shit. Um, and he was cool to a degree. Mm-hmm. He was honestly, I don't necessarily think it was me. I think it was more of the fact that he had played the show. I was the only person they let back. Um, and then they told him you have a two and a half hour car ride to a hotel and you have to fly out. And this is like midnight, mm-hmm. two and a half hour car ride back to Des Moines. Cause this was North of in Northern, Northern Iowa. And then turn around and have to fly out at six o'clock in the morning. And nobody had said anything until that point. Uh, so, and you know how that is. Yeah. Like, it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but he was cool to me. I mean, he signed my guitar, which everybody told me he's like, he's not going to sign the guitar unless you pay him 500 bucks. Cause oh my God. he's crazy about it because he used to do it. And then people would turn around and his guitars that are autographed, like are triple the money than when they're not, mm-hmm. it's crazy. So he's like, Oh hell no, I'm not just going to sign it. If you're going to flip it. Yeah. So, uh, but I told him, I'm like, I'm not flipping it. I'm putting it with the rest of the stuff. So, and I was like, personal, I, I would prefer that you personalize it to me yeah. anyway. So, so yeah, he was cool. I've gotten to meet all those guys. I mean, we, Stuff Sour's done some shows with Kiss. So really? over That's the years, insane. yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've always been great to us. I mean, and uh, we're just like a bunch of fanboys. The last time was in, uh, I don't even know. Spain, maybe Portugal. One mm. of those twos. It was like at the end of Hydrograd, and Megadeth was the opener, and we had a day off, and then uh, we went to see them, and all the whole band and crew went for them, and they just thought it was the coolest thing, like because we were all out at the soundboard and we knew like every song yeah. that was. And then when they would play stuff that was like they uh, they did War Machine, which like is one of my favorites off of Creatures, and yeah. actually as Corey's, and we both were like losing our mind that they were playing it. And it was funny because Gene's family was sitting behind us. And I'm sure that like, <laughs> they thought like, what the hell's going on? Like, we're like air drum and it just like, like we're like 14 year old kids. It was, it was a blast. Dude. That's rad. That's rad. I, so you were always a guitar guy then. Like if, if he was your favorite back then, like, were you just drawn to guitar? No, actually if, if I had my choice and my skill set, which, you know, be at the same level if I could change instruments for the longest time. I love drums. Okay. Just my, just my coordination as far as the four limbs just sucks. I mean, I can do basic stuff, you know, or what I consider basic stuff, but like the guys that I love, it's like Neil Peart and Mike Portnoy. And it's just, you know, next level. I mean, what those guys do, you know, it's just crazy. Man. So you, and you play everything, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's guitar is where is like my main focus, obviously. Yeah. And where I kind of settled. But when I first started playing, I started out on bass, played drums, then went back to bass, and then finally um, settled on guitar. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason why I went to guitar is I became a better guitar player than all the guitar players. Um, and it's funny because Sean Economac, he was the original bass player for Stone Sour he's the one that pushed me to play guitar. He was playing guitar. So we kind of flipped instruments and then 
it kind of worked out good for both of us. Yeah. But he was the one that's like, dude, you got to play guitar. Cause I was playing stuff that nobody else could play. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Paul Gilbert is a huge influence on me. I don't know if you know who that is. Mm -hmm. You know, he played in the band called Racer X and Mr. Big is the bigger band. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's a shredder guitar player and I was playing that type of stuff, like reading just guitar world and opening up the yeah. book and then like, I can play. Okay, cool. I can play addicted to that rush. Nobody else could. Yeah. But I, the reason why I think that happened for me though, is Paul's running me, Billy Sheehan, because I was playing bass. I spent a whole summer. I'm like, I'm learning both Mr. Big albums. I'm learning all this talus stuff. And I did, I made this commitment mm -hmm. and of trying to play all of that stuff. And it really made my hands, you know, obviously he basically plays like lead bass. I don't even know if you could compare him really to anybody else. Mm -hmm. So just doing so just made my hands super strong. And then, so when I went to guitar, I'm like doing that same thing, you know, the same lines basically. Cause I mean, they harmonize between Billy and Paul. I'm just like, yeah. I was like, oh, this guitar stuff is pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> Especially coming off and playing bass. I like, what, what size strings are these? You yeah. Know, it's like, it's like all oh, this, you know, doing this, these tapping lines are a hell of a lot easier on a nine and a 11 and you know, yeah. 16 versus 45, 60. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just so. that natural inclination. You just had that, that, that skill. That's awesome. So, so you didn't do lessons or anything. Like you just started picking stuff up and going for it, just teaching yourself tablatures and stuff. I did the same thing. Uh, yeah. Far different result, but I did the same thing where <laughs> tabs were, I did no, no lessons. It was all by ear playing records and playing along to them in my room or, uh, with the guys. And then that's how we all learned really. But like, uh, I, there's something to be said for that. I think too, like just the way you teach yourself something, you learn some bad habits, but you, I think in the, the long run, you're more creative with it. Like you look at it differently than like a, a map you look at as a, as a extension more so. Oh. Than, oh, I know right where to go here. You learn that, mm -hmm. but you've already got the appreciation for the instrument versus looking at it like a, like a textbook, I think. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm so jealous now because obviously, I mean, I've been playing forever, but mm -hmm. I, the resources that are out there now compared to when I first started, it's like, it's overload. I mean, it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, I think back when I first started and it was like, Oh, guess what? It's the top of the month. I'm going to get, we got to run and go get the new guitar world and guitar mm -hmm. player and whatever those had, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't suck this month. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and now it's like, uh, I want to work on sweep picking. And then it's like 10,000 different lessons from mm -hmm. all these different people. And it's just like, Oh my God. Like, it's just crazy, dude. Oh. I was literally just talking about sweet picking with uh, uh, dudes from Red Fang. Uh, they were on the show and we we're they can't do that. <laughs> they probably never will. We were talking just like either you have it or you don't. Like it's one of those things that they say just comes to you. Like you try and try and try. And then all of a sudden it's like riding a bike. I can't yeah. do it either. But that's that shit's insane. Trying to yeah, cover that shit. Hours, days, months. But it's the same with anything though. I, I think if you're really, tr 
truly committed to it, it's all muscle memory. And mm. I never really thought about it until uh, Roy mentioned of how he approaches drums. And once we set a set list of how he, he goes, dude, the reason why I can do what I do, um, you know, as far as what I call like stunt drumming, which is fun to watch is he's like, I train myself and then it just becomes muscle memory. So I'm like, it's just, and then I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. And then the more I thought about it, it's like, well, technically, if you put in the time and you work it up or work at it, eventually everything's going to click. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know what you're saying where it's like, well, you know, it might not come to me. It's just, well, probably would. But I mean, it's how much do you want to com- commit to it? And are yeah. you going to use it? You know, it's just like certain stuff with me. It's like finger style. Well, the reality is, is I wish I could play like that. Mm-hmm. I probably could. At my age, at this point in time and where I'm at, I don't think I'm going to sit down for a couple hours a day to work on finger style that I would probably never use with what I do normally. So, yeah, um, man, have you been on Guitar World magazine? Yes, it's been a long time, but how did that feel? And a couple of them. How did that feel after, after that being such a huge, I mean, you've, you meet Kiss at five years old, see Kiss, meet Kiss then end up touring with them. You're looking at Guitar World magazine, then you're on it. Like, how to describe that for me? Because I've not been there. But I I mean, dude, that's two major things that just like, boom, 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 boom. Not, not yeah. boom, boom. I mean, there's a lot of years in between there. Yeah, a lot of work. there's a lot of years. But if you look at it like, I'm here, then I'm there, like right there in where it was. I'm here. I'm, I'm looking through these magazines. Got to go pick it up. I'm on the fucking magazine. Like, yeah. It's a mind bender. Yeah, it was it was crazy because actually when we were on there, uh, it was right out of the gate in the very beginning of Stone Sour and the covers, Corey, myself, and, and Jim. Mm-hmm. And I remember all three of us getting our copy at NAM. It hadn't even come out yet, and they had stacks of them that they were handing out. So that was even... You know, it was like our first time at NAM, or at least for me, it was. I don't know if the other two had been there. I doubt Corey had, but Jim might have. Um, so to show up at Guitar World's booth mm-hmm. and the copies that they're handing out are with us on, and it was just surreal. And then for me, um, I signed for Ivanus that day, uh-huh. and I got to sign with Paul Gilbert, is who they paired me with. So it was like, this is just <laughs> a crazy day. <laughs> It's just yeah, surreal, dude. Yeah, because they asked me, uh, you know, because back then they would always pair, uh, I guess, a heritage artist or an older artist, with the exception of Steve I and Satriani, with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, immediately when they were like, do you want to come out for this? I'm like, yes, but here's what has to happen. You have to pair me with Paul Gilbert, please. <laughs> and they did. It was awesome. And then we're kind of friends now. He's actually given me one of, because I'm he knows I'm such a huge fan, and he's helped me, uh, you know, as being an influence. Uh, the last Mr. Big show is that he actually gave me one of his personal guitars. I I have two of his custom shop guitars now in my collection that were made for him. Yeah, dude. So this is incredible. This is absolutely yeah, incredible. Crazy. So. When did, when did, so you started playing early on, like how old were you when you first started playing 
Actually, I started playing late, believe Did you? it or not. So you yeah. got into music early and were into music for a long time and then started playing. Yeah, I didn't start playing bass until I was 15, I think. Wow, okay. Yeah, like 14, 15, yeah. Um, and the only reason why I started out with that is that we had moved from, you know, Norwalk, which is like... 20 minutes south of Des Moines to Des Moines. So I came into a new neighborhood, was meeting friends or new friends and uh, they had a band. And then all of a sudden it's like, but we need a bass player. You're the bass player. Here's a four, here's an acoustic guitar with four strings on it. (laughs) 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 See what you can do. Yeah. And uh, that's how it all started for me. And then, uh, taught myself how to read tab. And, um, so with that four strings on an acoustic guitar, I learned how to play the intro to one mm-hmm. by Metallica mm-hmm. and the rest is, yeah. Finally saved up enough to buy a cheap, I don't know, like harmony bass or something for $110. <laughs> and, uh, then went into drums and then for a bit, part of that was, uh, more than anything, just the volume, I think. I think I might have stuck with drums if they weren't, you know. You have to have really cool parents when you're a kid if you're playing yes, drums. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> I, I, I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, would I be that parent? And I was like, I let my daughter play for a while, but there was times where I would be like, oh, my God, I'm going to go down and I'm going to literally take the drumsticks away. Man. So... What did so yeah, you, then I went back to bass. What did you do in between? What did you do in between discovering music and all that, like loving music and playing? Like, did were you doing sports? Like, well, what were you doing at that time? Well, actually, I was sick. I'm actually a cancer survivor. Um, I was sick Holy for four shit. years. Yeah, from the age eight to twelve, oh I basically my God. was in and out of hospitals and went through chemotherapy forever. Um, so that's pretty much, I was pretty much, yeah. Uh, either in the hospital or at home in bed for uh-huh. that, about that four year span for the most part. Wow. That's a congratulations on, I, that's wow. I don't even know the right word for it. Uh, surviving cancer. Like it's a huge deal. I don't know if yeah. congratulations is the wrong word, but, uh, fighting that battle dude that that's that's terrifying as a child at any age yeah i can't even imagine i think you know obviously every person's different i think in some ways because i was that age mm-hmm. it might have not have been as scary had it had i been a little bit older yeah in fact you know i've had this for the longest time up until uh Really, I did this DVD for Fret 12 back in 2013. Mm-hmm. And that was in the documentary side of that DVD. Literally was the first time that I had actually discussed that time in my life to anyone. And even my parents It was like the first time that we actually sat down and discussed it. Because I had just basically buried it or tried to anyway. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was... Uh, you know, looking back on it, I mean, now it's crazy. I mean, I'm very grateful and lucky. I mean, I've been in remission for shit, 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't even think about it at this point unless, 
you know, somebody asks about it, but, uh, at the same time, I think that time, uh, really I honed my listening skills because I couldn't really go out and do anything. So it was like, I played, I can remember, uh, during that time was like Molly crew theater, pain girls, 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 iron maiden, somewhere in time, peace cells, live after death, Judas priest, um, turbo and live. I mean, I played all these records into the ground Mm -hmm. and I really think, you know, looking back on it, it really kind of set me up for my future. Yeah. I'll say that really studying, uh, and then experiencing what music can do healing wise and, and just mentally, I can only imagine like being that young, I'm sure the the mortality thoughts are a lot different than if you were 15 or 20, you know, like you were saying, like if you're a little older, it probably would have been a lot worse as far as the worry and all that. I getting back really quick Mm -hmm. to me discussing that with my parents, you know, back in 2012 or 13, um, my mom had mentioned that literally several years went by before I even asked them whether or not, you know, is like, is basically, is this going to kill me? Am I going to die at some point? But it took like, she told me that I didn't even ask that question to them or the doctors for several years of going through chemotherapy before I had said that. I don't recall it. Like, like I said, like in some ways I've tried to repress all that Yeah, as yeah. much as, and, you know, now I'm dealing with it in current time actually for doing that. But, uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm grateful for it. Cause I think it was, it made me who I am at the end of the day yeah. and I'm still here. So, I mean, I, things t- t- honestly turned out great for me, so I can't complain yeah. too much. I'm glad you're still here. That's, uh, I mean, like I said, I can't even imagine. We've had cancer take multiple members of my close family, and it's something that it touches everyone. Everyone experiences it, whether it's personally or someone they know or a family member. It's just uh, we just lost a, a friend uh, two days ago to to uh, pancreatic cancer, twenty one months, uh, uh, yeah. and and gone. And it's it's just yeah, it's something else, man. And no, I sorry to hear that. I well I. Yeah. It's it's just such a, a tough subject too because you know everyone handles things differently. You know, yours was so long ago, but it of course that time in your life is going to affect your life now. Repressing those things will affect your life, and in you know um, working through those things. So your parents did this. DV, this was like a documentary that your parents were involved in. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check this out. I I didn't even yeah. know about this. That it's like I said, it was for fret 12, uh-huh. which obviously it was more the guitar DVD, but, um, What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. 
See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equalvision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast 
is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. It's actually Mark Tremonti's from Creed and Alter Bridge. Mm-hmm. It's one of his companies and they did this dvd series which is called uh the sound and the story i believe okay so part of the dvd is instructional then the other part is that individual's journey yeah up until the present day i love that i love that's the perfect mix right there like that's what this show is is similar to the where we focus on the journey and who the person is versus who did you record with? What guitars were you using? Kind of, it's not that kind of thing. And that's why I tell the public, like Charlie, I told Charlie too, like, like I want to know who Josh Rand is, right? Like versus you getting asked the same questions about, you know, what'd you do here on this? Where'd you record this song? What, you know, like the stuff that just gets tired. Oh yeah. I really like to, to just like show who the person is for my listenership because I think it gives a more well-rounded thing. And then you go from this and put the record on it makes more sense than mm-hmm. listening for this solo or listening for this, you know, vocal part or whatever. Um, so you said you're dealing with it in present time, like therapy wise, probably I would imagine. And it's so you, did you, did that put you on a path to, you know, stay, stay like healthy, eating right, like taking care of yourself or did it go the opposite for you? Are you talking coming out like, of like, no, cancer? Yeah. Like now? as you, as you progress oh. going into playing music professionally, like it's a, it's no, a fucking actually, vacuum for all man, the awful honestly, things in the world. I back and I just, I did, you know, what all my heroes did once I got older. So I'm here. I am a cancer survivor as a kid and then late teens, early twenties. Um, I'm partying, I'm smoking, I'm pushing everything to the limit. Um, so it wouldn't be until later on where I'm like, okay, I need to, you know, try to be a little bit healthier. And then I was for a while. And then I guess the wheels fell off the bus, like, I don't know, six, seven years ago for me. And that's where I slowly started drinking again and mm-hmm. had been on Xanax for when I finally quit Xanax, it had been, I think, 11 years I was on it or something, mm-hmm. 10 years. Man, um, that Xanax, Xanax terrifies me. I, I had Shavo on here and we talked about Xanax quite a bit. 
before I've been going through some weird therapy stuff and, and, uh, mental health struggles and things like that, just depression and stuff like that, anxiety. And they keep bringing up Xanax. I am, I'm 39 years old. I've never taken one, but it now terrifies me hearing about how the, the, the grip it can take on you Mm -hmm. basically just take over your life where you're doing multiple Xanax a day. If you're drinking with it, it's different. Like just asking you this, if I was to be prescribed Xanax, would you, would you say no? Would you have me say no? Because I, Oh, I would. Okay. Cause I, I, but I'm an, I have a super addictive personality. I do as well. It's no different than right now. Um, I have, I'm dealing with some back issues. So I have arthritis Mm -hmm. and I literally told my pain management doctor and my normal doctor, I was like, I can't be put on painkillers. You cannot, we have to figure out other alternatives. So I was like, you put me on that stuff. I'll be dead in a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, you're going to just give me a controlled substance and a prescription, I mean, and a prescription for it. Um, yeah. Cause the thing is, is more, you just, it be, you start getting used to it. So you keep doing more and more and more. And that's, that's why everybody usually, if they don't get help or, uh, you know, are extremely strong willed, they end up ODing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the reality of it. I mean, the body can only take so much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm anti saying putting anybody on any of that, anything that's that, you know, is addictive. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, it initially was prescribed to me for my fear and anxiety of flying. It started out. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the next thing, you know, I'm just, I'm in it. Yeah. And then the next thing, you know, when I finally uh, went to a different doctor and everything had kind of changed up for me, I'm like, I need to just change everything up a couple of years ago. Um, I had not even realized that I had been on it for so long. In fact, um, you know, it was to the point where it was, I wasn't even seeing anybody to be monitored. I was just going to the local Walgreens or CVS and picking up bottles at my, my own convenience, which is, uh, crazy Mm -hmm. when you think about it. Um, and, uh, yeah. Do not ever take that stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get that idea. I just, I feel lucky to have had some of these conversations beforehand because they literally just hand it out. Like, well, would you want to try Xanax? Let yeah. me think about it. Is my answer because I'm like, I, uh, shit, man. Like, if that's how easy it is to to get hooked on it, and then that's that easy to then just have refill after refill. I mean, holy shit, if you're taking it for flying and you're in your business flying constantly, I mean, where's the end? Like it's, that's, oh my God. Well, the end was basically when I removed myself from the tour with Stone Sour where I just, and I mean, it came out and it was really, it was the mixture with the alcohol. And I'll be honest, I don't miss the alcohol. I did miss the Xanax. The yeah. quitting alcohol was not even an issue for me. It was like, I really am not a drinker anyway. It just a way of maintaining it. Oh, you know, you know how it is. I mean, you have access oh, Jesus. to all that stuff at any time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm bored. I mean, I, I think part of the reason why there's so many addicts in the entertainment industry, and it's not just music, mm-hmm. is there's a lot of hurry up and wait 
that sure. goes on. So I think a lot of it is because we get bored. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, what can I do to buy, you know, get me through the next couple hours. And it's mm-hmm. like, Oh shit, I have a whole refrigerator full of any alcohol that I want, yep. you know, or I can get so-and-so just showed up and he has this, this, and this, mm-hmm. if you want it, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just a, uh, vicious cycle. Once you start it, it's hard to get out of it. Usually, yeah. unfortunately, usually it never ends well. <laughs> I mean, it does eventually you crash and burn, yeah. but you know, unfortunately it, sometimes it costs that individual their lives and other times it's, you know, a treatment center for a year or whatever, you know? So mm-hmm. that was for me when I, I guess getting back to your question was when I decided to leave stone sour, the Canadian tour and come home and get off of drinking mm-hmm. after ship rocked, um, the Xanax had to go to, it only made sense. It was like, but I can just tell you, I had the bigger withdrawal with the Xanax over the alcohol any day of the week. I mean, and to this day, it's still pretty amazing. Cause I actually just quit cold Turkey. So I was on that stuff forever. Yeah. So you can ask, uh, I'm sure my wife will tell you I was if a peach to be around for that first two weeks. Yeah. I know I can only imagine. I mean, for one, I wanted to be out on the road mm-hmm. uh, and a part of that tour. But yeah, just the withdrawals from, I believe, what the Xanax, not the alcohol, was, yeah. it was crazy in the beginning. Man, did you, did your family and, and bandmates know how much you were doing? Or no. were they just thinking, oh, this is Josh? Like, no, I just maintained. That's the thing. The same with the drinking. I never drank to get messed up. Mm-hmm. I just wanted that buzz. Yeah. And I wanted that buzz to continue basically the entire time I was awake. Mm-hmm. So I think over, over years, nobody thought anything of it. Or if they, if anybody did, nobody really said anything, you know? Um, but I don't think anybody really thought any different. Cause I've always been an introvert. Mm-hmm. So it was easy. It wasn't like my personality was like Corey's. And then all of a sudden, now I'm myself, you know, yeah. it's like, I'm like Gal or Garth Algar. And that's really <laughs> that's my personality um, for the most part. And uh, so I think because of that, I was able, it wasn't as obvious to everybody. Yeah. Um, Cause I kind of just stick to myself anyway. Okay. So you guys, you, you would get off the bus or whatever sound check and then just kind of cruise, go to the bus, go wander town, just kind of be off on your own. Yeah. I understand that. I, I don't like, well, I'm lucky enough that I still can do that stuff mm-hmm. where I could still go out and, and see things. And, you know, I collect records and, and stuff like that. So I'm always looking to go out and go shopping yeah. or stuff like that. But, you know, without handlers. To, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to take it. Well, I'm weird when it comes to all that stuff. I mean, we have security, um, but I don't need it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, I don't, I'm, I consider myself a pretty down to earth person. So I'm not, I don't need a person to tell you that you can't take a picture or I won't sign something. Mm-hmm. I'll always do all that stuff unless literally I can't, like if it's a time crunch. Yeah. Um, so it's like, do I feel threatened by anybody? No. So I, I don't know. I just felt like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know, like, you know, obviously Corey's at a whole other different status and, 
And he also, he's not that big of a guy. So it's not as easy for him just to say, you know, get yeah. out of my face. Yeah. Um, so I get it. I understand it, but I feel like I'm in, I get the best of both worlds. I get to live my dream and do what I want, but mm -hmm. I still can go do stuff, you know, and yeah. not be messed with. Um, so yeah, I always try to go out and do stuff as much as possible. I mean, how many, uh, dressing rooms can you handle with Especially Big penises drawn. <laughs> See, you know what I'm talking about. Though. I absolutely do. I've penned a few Everybody of those. Everybody listening probably has no idea that I, I don't know what it is with rock venues, but somebody in one of these bands really likes drawing penises. I will say this: I mean, rock venues, rock musicians, and iron workers. If you go, I work, I'm a commercial plumber now since I stopped touring, I needed a real job. So I do that. So we're building these big buildings and the iron workers draw dicks all over everything because it's all getting covered up. So we're building a building at Nike and there's a 12 foot dick in the elevator shaft that's then <laughs> covered up with, so if they ever go to remodel, there it is. And it's glorious. Like they are like, like Rembrandts with drawing dicks. And it's everywhere yeah. and it's just like in the green room, but larger scale and with like this crazy chalk and like on the on the steel. It's it's fucking madness. And so I don't know what it is. Both 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 groups of people just love drawn dicks. Yeah. There's something to it. And especially like at your guys' level, a lot of your green rooms are fucking cinder block locker rooms and these stadiums and shit. Like those are one of the most lonely places I've ever been. Like there's a little mini fridge in the corner with some booze in it and some lunch meat and then cinder blocks and, and like chairs stacked up outside from, from switching the arena out. One of the most lonely places besides a hotel room by yourself is there. And if that's where you're spending all your time, what's to say anything can happen. It's nuts. Well, I, I'll take the hotel room. Well, yeah, there's a nice bed in there usually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it got to the point, I don't want to get I don't want to get too too diva. It got to the point for me, especially also because I was trying not to drink and yeah. we saw drinkers in the band. And I'm like, the drinking problem is my problem, it's not theirs. So I felt like the rest of the band shouldn't be punished for it. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, I ended up having my own hotel room mm -hmm. at least for the first couple of tours coming back out off of that which i honestly enjoyed i was like hey man to basically just be picked up i'm like oh so this is how it is to be at the next next level of cool get me 30 minutes before the show and come off and hop yep. back into the car and go back to the hotel <laughs> i was like this is pretty awesome like led zeppelin but, dude yeah i mean it was you know but at least you know i got away from like I said, uh, you know, the uh, phallic drawings on all these walls. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I, and that's, it got to the point where you could just judge, you could judge the venue by just, once you walked into that dressing, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Just count them. Just count them. Yeah. You stare at the wall with so much draw and they just start popping out at you like a, like a, uh, not, not a crossword puzzle, but the, like the word jumble where you have to like find the, the words in the the group of letters when you're like circling all the it's just like that they just start popping out at you like uh goodwill hunting or whatever that movie is where he starts seeing the problems like solving oh, itself. Yeah. uh dude well i mean 
coming out of that too, I mean, just, uh, it's, it's really inspiring hearing you talk about getting through these things, right? Like there's two ways you could go like to the oblivion or out of it. And you went, you know, every, every, you're just coming out of it. Not, I wouldn't say smelling like a rose, but like you've beaten these things Mm -hmm. that a lot of people can't do. And you're still doing what you love at a very high level. It's just super inspiring, you know, like to, to see how things end up. Right. Like, and you, your kids are graduating college, graduating high school. Like these are huge, huge things, you know? No, absolutely. I couldn't be honestly at this point, um, you know, their accomplishments, um, they're bigger to me than anything that I've accomplished. I mean, it really is. And I'm so proud of both of them. I mean, like I said, I had one graduate art school mm-hmm. who also started their own business two years ago and makes six figures. I mean, it's just crazy. The other one that graduated high school uh-huh. graduated with 78 college credits will enter being a pharmacist her as <clears throat> she'll enter the university of Iowa as a junior, her first year. Uh-huh. So she, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Got a ton of scholarships, obviously. I mean, it's just, and then the other thing I'm really thankful for and, and I'm super proud of is both of them are giving. Uh, I mean, my youngest daughter ended up having like six cords from high school, from blood donating and donating this time for this and this and that. And that's the other thing. It's not only just, uh, the success that they had academically, but how they are as people is mm-hmm. just as important, if not more important to me. So, yeah. um, you know, right now watching them both become, you know, the people that they're going to become the rest of their lives. It's exciting. It's for me. I mean, it's on one hand, it's crazy because obviously I'm used to having them around and now yeah. they're not here, but, um, the other point, I mean, they have their own lives to live and I just couldn't be more proud of, of, of doing that, and especially considering, um, it's not easy. I am, I assume for anyone in our position with kids to be the kids and to grow up with, you know, I think back on some of the tours of just being gone, like for us, when we did come whatever may that record obviously had through glass on it, mm-hmm. which was a massive song. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, we seemed like we never came off the road for 18 months. I mean, it was yeah. insane. Um, so I'm also very thankful that both of them have been able to keep their heads screwed on straight. Um, Cause it's very easy you know, it, it seems like a lot of times, um, you know, entertainers, children's, because there's that lack of attention or whatever, maybe, I don't know, I'm not a psychiatrist. Um, you know, they end up getting in trouble, you know, and get into not being with the wrong crowd and yeah, drugs and this and that. And the fact, like I said, the fact that both of these guys have done what they've done, I couldn't be more proud. And they've got to be proud of you as well. You know? Yeah, I'm just, 
I know they don't probably don't care about the music. Like (laughs) everyone's like, I've got kids too, but like everyone's everyone's uh, reaction is like, oh yeah, they they don't care about what I do. Like like, they don't. (laughs) They're so used to everything. It's just like to them, (laughs) you have to think. Like I said, I mean, Zoe was born before Stone Sour. She would have been say ninety nine. So she would have been three when Stone Sour started. Mm -hmm. And uh, and me is just used to it. I mean, I always give them crap and tell them how spoiled they are. It's like, yeah, now that you guys aren't kids anymore and you're all on your own, you know, good luck meeting Haley from Paramore. (laughs) 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 I mean, or whoever they go see, I mean, you know, uh, they got so used to like all this stuff and and the way that it is when you're out and, and stuff, it's, you know, they became a little bit spoiled and yeah. And real quick, I have a great story about dude, how spoiled they are. Because it's do pretty this. funny. It's my <laughs> oldest daughter. And it brings up Paramore, too, uh-huh. again. Okay. Because they were both obsessed with Paramore. Um, so I was out on the road. And, of course, you know, I made some calls. And they got to go see and meet the band. Yeah. And it was in Omaha, not in Des Moines. Or Lincoln, maybe. Um, and I didn't set up the hotel and the travel. And... Uh, my oldest ends up texting me and goes, Oh my God, I just had this life changing experience. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I'm a, like I said, I'm out on the road. I'm like, Oh my God, what's going on? So I send a text and she texts me back and she goes, I'm like, what is it? What is it? What's this life changing experience? And she's like, we're at a super eight. <laughs> I'm like, what? So supposedly my wife at the time waited for the last second to book a hotel room. So obviously, you know, mm-hmm. especially in a smaller town, yeah, there was no rooms. Yeah. So they got stuck staying at a, a super eight. And it was just so funny though. It was just like, <laughs> life changing experience. Yeah. That I had to say it, which granted they sent pictures. I would have been pretty upset too. I mean, it yeah. was like the room wasn't clean. Like there was like a glass with lipstick on it left on the desk. Oh. And, uh, it was just, I might've just drove back to Des Moines at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that far, but yeah, I just thought it was so funny that, that she said that like, and I still give her crap for it. I mean, she was only like 14 or 13 then. Yeah. Maybe even younger. Um, actually she would have been younger cause it would have been for the riot album. Um, yeah, it was there. They, uh, they're my motivation. They keep me going. That's sure. beautiful. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. When, when you can make tickets just fall out of the back of a truck, it's a good feeling. Yeah. It's a, it's a great feeling. But yeah, it, that's hilarious. Life-changing event of Super 8. Hitting <laughs> to meet their, their hero of the time. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Uh, dude, well, tell me. So tell me. And, and I mean everyone knows stone sour. Like it's, it's uh, that whole story has been told probably a thousand times, but it, so tell me about the life project that you're doing now. That's the, the, the whole reason that I even am talking to you right now is because of that. Right. Um, but tell me about that. Like it, it, it's a, it's a new project, but it's, you're playing everything. Yeah. Right? Like I was watching the videos and I was just like, it was like, Holy shit, it plays everything. Uh, yeah. tell me about it. Playing and programming everything. Um, yeah, really it all came about, um, 
Well, I mean, we, we came off the road for a hydro grad uh-huh. and I knew I was going to buy, you know, I was going to get a new house mm-hmm. and, um, and, and build the studio. And, you know, I just started working on music and then Corey was like, Hey, I'm going to finally do this solo record. You know, it, it was something that he had been kicking around for a long time. He's like, I, he, I knew that he had material that he wanted to put out that didn't fit either either band that he was in. Mm-hmm. And really once he did that, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to finally step out of the comforts of stone sour. Cause that's all I've known. Um, I've really haven't worked with anybody else mm-hmm. or anything. Um, and so I was just like, I'm just going to write music and I'm going to put together basically, you know, a decent chunk of music and then I'll start rounding out the band. And so that's what I did. Um, and then I got up to like eight or nine songs and then I talked to Ma, or, uh, Dave Rath, our A&R guy for Stone Sour at Roadrunner Records. And I'm like, hey, I want to I do this project or do this band. And I'm looking for female singers. I just felt, um, I knew that if I was going to do something that I needed, I wanted it to be female fronted for many reasons. I, I mean, one reason was I felt like musically I could write some stuff that, I, that I'm into that wouldn't fit Stone Sour. And the other thing is, is I knew if I also had a male vocalist, they're going to get the comparison against Corey because mm. that's just the society we live in, sure. you know, because I'm going to play and it's going to sound like me. And I mean, like I've told people, it's like, I can't just wake up tomorrow and not sound like me. And I wrote a big chunk of the Stone Sour catalog musically yeah. over the years. So yeah. it's like, I'm not going to change who I am. So that was the other reason of going with the female vocalist. Uh he plays Dave Raff plays in a band called heaven's edge mm-hmm. and their bass player. Um, his girlfriend is a female singer that lived in Missouri, which was like, Oh, this is perfect. Cause I wanted everybody from the Midwest anyway. Cause in stone sour, we're spread out all over the country and yeah. to do anything is a pain in the ass. I'm like, <laughs> we're starting this all over again. Like stone sour was in the very, very beginning where everybody lives in like, a two mile radius. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, that was my idea. I mean, obviously I knew I wasn't going to find the singer to the level that I wanted, uh, that close, but I was like, Oh, Springfield's five hours away. You know, mm-hmm. that's totally doable. So I, I reached out to Cassandra and was like, Hey, you know, um, I'm going to try to do this project. I don't know. It might not do anything, whatever. And, uh, would you be interested? And she's like, yeah, send me some stuff. So we worked on some cover songs in the beginning, um, just to kind of feel one another out. And then the first original we worked on was the nothingness. And I knew at that point, I was like, that's, that's the person. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we just started working on other stuff remote, you know, it's crazy because I just did an interview with her a couple hours ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and We've only been in the same room five times <laughs> <laughs> together. Technology. It's, it's, yeah. It's just crazy. Um, really just for the photo shoot. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't even see any. Anybody- <laughs> I apologize for the beast back behind me. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? The beach. She's a she's a tough guy. Yeah, tough I have one of those at home too. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So this with this project, are you going to uh, take it on the road? Is it just going to be studio stuff? Like, what's the what's the plan? Um, my plan is is okay. Obviously, the EP will come out next week. Yep. Um, on July 9th. I think I'm gonna we're gonna release the cover tunes. Um, just because why not? We have them; they were fun to do. So I think we're gonna release them, you know, and just throw them up on YouTube or whatever. Sure. Uh, we can find, and then we've already started working on new material. Actually, we had 13 songs going into this. I only felt that the five were up to where I wanted them, and really, what happened is. And just got to the point where I'm like, we have to start releasing some of this music or I'm going to lose my mind because I'd sat on it for so long. And it's like, it's hard for me as a writer to keep moving forward if I'm sitting on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's why we released the five. And I just figured, hey, this is a great way of just introducing us. I knew that we wouldn't tour um, at this point, hopefully next year um, for many reasons. One, I'm working on myself physically i need to do a couple of things i mentioned my back earlier yes um so hopefully i get a i'm gonna do this procedure where they're gonna like burn off nerve endings or something i Mm. I don't know it's gonna be but if it gives me relief i'm all about it at this point sure like i said because i can't be put on anything Mm -hmm. um or i don't want to be but yeah, so that's the goal. Hopefully next year we round out being a full band, which was my initial plan to begin with. And then COVID happened. And mm-hmm. this just like, my, my wife is, was a high risk because of her autoimmune uh, disease. So basically we were in complete lockdown, like six, literally six months went by. We didn't see anybody and everything was delivered and wiped down before it entered the house. It was insanity. Wow. Um, so yeah. Um, that's the plan. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, this Delta variant that just started getting momentum. Yeah. It seems like over the last uh, week doesn't, uh, make us take a step backwards by fall. Yeah. I've, I'm worried about the same. I see like Foo Fighters doing this sold out Madison square garden show. Like I'm wondering what's going to have festivals coming back. Like it's just, it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying to, I mean, the uncertainty. Um, I think it's, it's changed us as a people forever. Like it's, it really, oh, it yeah. really has. And yeah, it's crazy. It's something like that. I can't even, I can't even go into it. It's nuts. We were the same. My son has a heart condition and, and, uh, autism and he was same thing. We were in lockdown. Like, yeah, it was something I would never want to do again, but I absolutely would if we had to. Um, that's why it's so infuriating when people don't follow those things. I was just in Idaho this last weekend traveling to pick up some puppies for the kids and there was no mask to be found. I look like an idiot going in the store with them. I was the only one going into a Walmart, going into a gas station. It's like, it never happened. It's insane. Yeah. Like, and it's been that way for a long time and I just don't, I don't understand it. And that's a whole nother tangent, but, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, trust I'm, me, I, I'm right there. I mean, I, I live in a state where we never had a mask mandate. Yeah. I, I mean, our governor is about, I mean, I can't stand her. Yeah. And I felt the same thing. I mean, I still wear a mask. I'm vaccinated. When yeah. it first started, you know, I used to work in construction and, and a truck driver. So when it first came out and really nobody knew anything, and it was like, we're in lockdown. When I had to go to the grocery store before they started doing the delivery services mm-hmm. here, I wore a respirator. 
You want to talk about getting some looks? Dude. Walk into a store with a respirator <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> a respirator and a Slayer hoodie. Just You're looking like some attention. <laughs> like Bane in a Slayer hoodie. Just fucking <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, yeah, my I God. Mean, Dude. What a wild a wild ride dude josh thank you so much for coming yeah, on the show dude me. it was a blast and you didn't give me the same 10 questions I, i've been asked a hundred billion times so i never it's do it's always fun when it's when it's different stuff i never do i have no notes i have nothing in that and so hopefully anything i brought up uh was not something as old i mean necessarily old news but something you've talked about a million times i i apologize if, if it is but it's all new to me no. and hopefully my listenership and and uh you know, uh, I'm just, it's so inspiring to see, like to talk to someone like you, that's, that's in the position you are, you're obviously so grateful for it, but also have fought for it and fought through so many like awful things to get there, to come out doing what you love, raised a family that you're proud of, that's proud of you, you know, uh, you know, in recovery, remission, uh, working on yourself, that's the stuff that really makes a person like the, the character of a person right there. And I've just, it's been an honor, um, you know, to chat with you brother. And I, uh, I appreciate a lot. And, and, uh, you know, all the music, the, you know, you're getting people through the same thing you were getting through, you know what I mean? With, with what you've done and what you're creating. It's, it's, I know it's not lost on you, but I always say it like it's, you're saving lives with what you do, you know? Um, and it, I know that's not lost on you either, but I really appreciate the time uh, first and foremost, because time is the most precious thing and you could have literally been doing anything else for the last hour and 10 minutes, but I appreciate you spending it with me and uh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. It's been awesome. So um, yeah, I'll let you get back to your evening, man. Go to bed, whatever you're going to do. Yeah. In well, this I got to go take the beast out. Yeah. I got to go take the beast <laughs> out for a walk. It looks like. Awesome. Well, dude, you're welcome back anytime. You know, whether you awesome. have something Thanks, to promote man. or not, you just want to chat have Charlie hit me up, have her connect us, whatever. Uh, or when you're back out on the road, I've, I've got a lot of in-person stuff, hopefully coming up, uh, as people are coming through Portland, cause it's an easy town to hit. So, um, awesome. just let me know, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Yeah, actually I have one question. So you're sure. in Portland. Yeah. Do you know Aaron Draplin, the graphic designer? No, I don't. Because, uh, I mean, I know he's good friends with Red Fang, so mm -hmm. that's what I was just curious. That's he thing. lives in Portland. I've never met any. I've been I've I've been in the guys from Red Fang's houses when they live with. So I'm, I used to play in Portugal, the man. So all right. those guys live, lived at one point with some of the Red Fang guys, but they were always on tour when we weren't. So I've been in their house. I've been in Portland for 21 years, and I've never met any of them. But we have tens and tens and tens of music mutual friends in town i've never seen them live and i've never met any of them and we did Crazy. it over zoom <laughs> so i still never actually met any of them uh but we the circles we run in are the same it's the weirdest thing yeah that's crazy so yeah we played with them too back in uh 13 14 13 mm -hmm. we did some show off shows down in australia with them oh, okay yeah. I mean, they're a great band. They, I just, no, they are. They got a cool vibe to them. They're like, I mean, they fall in that. I mean, I haven't heard anything recent, recent. Um, Cause I think, I don't know if that's, they gave us our, their first album at that point, but okay. we used to jam it in the bus and it 
it almost falls in for me anyway, almost like a Mastodon or it did to a oh, degree, yeah. but not yeah. as maybe not as proggy, more straight ahead song structure. Um, but some of the riffs and the guitar tone, I'm, I just remember, and I remember watching, I was like, Oh, these guys sound just as good live as they do on, on the album, if not better. Cause I think that's always, that's kind of how I judge a mm-hmm. band. It's like, um, is how they are live and, as much as it, I judge them, or I don't want to say judge because that's not necessarily what I want to say, but I always look to see if they're enjoying their, their selves up there. It's like, are you, do you really want to be here? Cause I, at this point I've been around it long enough. Yeah. Um, I can tell when, when a, when a band doesn't want to be on stage or, or an individual. Yeah. Um, they're phoning and, it in. Yeah. And that's- they seemed when we played with them, like, yeah, we're we're 100 committed and in it. Oh, dude! So that's what the what I gathered from him too. And a lot of those tones come from Dave David's uh, thin line tele, tele with P90s, like that huge crunch, like it's coming from that. I was kind of surprised, uh, but the the tone they get through there, that he's got an orange endorsement, I think. And then, uh, yeah, thin line tellies. He loves those things, and that's what we were talking about on there. And uh, that's crazy. I would never wild. have thought that. It's wild. It's wild. That's like his go to guitars from the 70s and uh yeah i was i was shocked but um they yeah great band but yeah i've never heard of that that artist um yeah he's a very big graphic designer like okay. huge it's just it's my wife's cousin he's done a ton of stuff and oh okay and i just figured all of you guys are in the same you know like you yeah. said everybody's kind of intertwined so it's like i just was wondering if you ran into him no, I'll keep an eye out. Chance. Yeah, I'll he's keep an eye for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. a cool dude. Awesome. Well, right on. All dude. right. Hey, thank well, thanks you. Thanks again. Yeah. Dude, anytime. You're welcome back anytime. And and thanks for doing it so late. This is the yeah no the prime time on my end. And I was I've, it's just been so crazy. And uh, I've got two more tomorrow. They just keep coming. Like COVID's kind of ending, but it's still just as busy with people yeah. heading back out. Well, so. everybody, yeah, everybody's firing back up. So exactly. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it all stays its course. I hope but, so, man. I hope all right, so. Enough negative COVID stuff. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to leave on a positive. Go, note, go so. spin around, go spin around with your arms out in your guitar room and just, just relish in the, in the collection and, and do happy yeah. things. Take the beast for a walk. Yeah. I don't know if that's a happy thing. All the normal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends if, if the tough guy is going to be a tough guy tonight. Yeah. So right on, bro. Anyway, Right Um, on. Thanks again. Thank you. Uh, We'll talk soon. Have a good one. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Be safe. We'll see you you soon. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Josh Rand from Stone Sour from the Life Project. An awesome dude with an awesome story. Uh, He's been through a lot, but what a fantastic musician and just some massive, massive bands he's toured with. Overcome addiction, overcome cancer, just so many different things uh, to go over with him. I, I hope you guys got something out of that chat. I know I did, and I'd be glad to have him on anytime he desires because he is a great guest. So thanks to Josh for coming on. Thanks to Charlie for setting it up. Uh, Charlie Beezer is one of the best publicists in the game. So I always give her a shout out because she's fantastic, and she always she knows how I do things. She understands I'm not going to talk about the new record. She knows I'm not going to ask questions about recording and all the stuff that people typically uh, look for in an interview and the artist typically hate. So uh, we try to bridge the gap between those. And I think we're doing an okay job. Uh, You can definitely let me know at purepleasurepod at gmail.com. 
uh, if you have questions or comments or anything like that. But I urge you to go join the Twitch, follow the Twitch channel. We're going to be doing live episodes hopefully this week. We got some awesome stuff coming up, some huge guests the rest of the year. We've got just everything is just stacked right now. So I feel really good about the rest of 2021 and where we're sitting. Uh, chart positions good. Numbers are increasing. And the feedback from you guys has been incredible. So thank you so much for that. And I really, really, really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. I love each and every one of you guys. Stay safe out there. Have a fantastic holiday. Uh, it's Labor Day. We're going to drop this here in an hour. Um, so you guys have just listened to it. So I don't know why I'm telling you things in the past, but it's what I do. I do these on the fly. So uh, thank you so much. Join the Facebook group. Join the Twitch. Shoot us an email if you got questions or comments. And as always, we'll see you on the radio. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.